Hello there, welcome back. I'm Pastor Lars Hammer from Lord of Grace Lutheran Church here in Marana, Arizona. I wanna welcome you back to the Walk Through the Psalms Bible Study. Today we're gonna to look at Psalm 79, at the beginning of Psalm 79. So without more ado, let's get to it. Here we go, we're gonna read this through the New Revised Standard Versions. We'll start by reading uh, verses one through four. O oh God, the nations have come into your inheritance. They have defiled your holy temple. They have laid Jerusalem in ruins. They have given the bodies of your servants to the birds of the air for food, the flesh of your faithful to the wild animals of the earth. They have poured out their blood like water all around Jerusalem, and there was no one to bury them. They have become a taunt to our neighbors, mocked and derided by those around us. All right, wow, that's a fun one, huh? Real inspirational there. Uh, you know, nobody ever makes a, a, a inspirational poster with a waterfall that says, you know, uh, you know, they poured out their blood like water all over Jerusalem, you know. But hey, the Bible's inter interested in dealing with things that are real, and this is real. This one, I gotta give you the two cent historical context or it doesn't make any sense. This psalm, is a psalm that's written after 587 BC. What is the big deal about 587 BC? It's when the Babylonian Empire invaded and sacked the city of Jerusalem. And it technically was the second time they did it. They had invaded the city 10 years earlier and they deposed the king and they put in kind of a puppet king and said, okay, pay your taxes, don't rebel, we'll let you live. And then they hauled away a lot of the priests and the educated class to Babylon, which is what the Babylonians did in lots of places. They tried to create kind of a brain trust in their own country to grab the best and the brightest, but they also knew that if you took the upper classes away, you would take away a lot of the people who might think they have a right to the throne or people who might have the kind of clout to start an insurrection. So for 10 years, there was a puppet king there and the Babylonians let him go. So that was 577, by, or I'm sorry, 597. By 587, it's, old, it's before you gotta count backwards, um, they, the king decided that he was not going to pay the Babylonians their tax. Uh, he decided we're gonna fight, we're gonna show them it was kind of a cynical political move because he didn't want to look weak, right? I'm, you know, nobody wants to be the king to have to tell his people, we have to pay this crushing, humiliating tax. Uh, you know, every king wants to be the one to say, we're gonna stand up and fight and win. Even when there was absolutely a snowball's chance in hell of this one little city defeating this gigantic empire. But the people, at least enough of the people bought it, the king refused to send his tax, and when the Babylonian emperor, Nebuchadnezzar, you might recognize from Matrix, that was Morpheus's ship. Uh, Matrix pulled the name from the Bible. But Nebuchadnezzar, uh, when he failed to get his shipment of tax, uh, then he said, all right, if they're gonna be insolent, I let them live, but not anymore. So then he sent the full force of his army and sacked Jerusalem. And one of the things that Nebuchadnezzar did is he burned the temple to the ground. 
the huge temple that Solomon had built eh, maybe 400 years before. So the thing had been there a long time and uh, was this extremely wealthy uh, giant building, maybe not that big by Babylonian standards, but it was, it was very impressive building. And one of the arguments that people had made for why we were, they were invincible and why the Babylonians wouldn't win is because God would not allow his temple to be sacked that God would have some sort of a sense of honor, right? And that if the Babylonians sacked the temple and then danced on, on it and went, nah, 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 your God isn't as great as mine, and I showed you because I sacked your God's temple, and if your God was so great, he would have stopped the sacking of the temple, etc., etc., et right? And so the belief, and this is what the, that king, Jewish king was arguing, was, see, we have the temple. God won't let the city fall if we have the temple. Uh, God's honor will prevent it. God won't want to suffer the humiliation. And again, enough people bought it that they didn't do what they needed to do, which is to pay their tax. And so the city got crushed and the temple was destroyed. And the prophets had argued all along, God will destroy the temple too. He cares far more about how you guys treat each other and whether you follow him than the building. So anyways, a little bit of history and context there. But this psalm is coming on the heels of all that, of going from huge pride to utter humiliation and absolute and utter destruction. Uh, they didn't kill everybody in Jerusalem when they sacked the city, but there was plenty of death. Uh, there were survivors. Uh, sometimes the survivors, it was, of course, lots of raping and plundering and pillaging, lots of enslaving. And they give you the sense in this psalm of just how awful it was, right? I mean, they talk about, right? They delayed Jerusalem in ruins. They defiled the temple. So apparently not only did they destroy it, but they must have performed some sort of pagan ritual uh, in the rubble and what was left, right? And then you get all the blood and guts in verses two and three, right? They gave the bodies to the birds of the air, uh, you know, that they killed so many people that the survivors couldn't even bury them, right? It was just dead bodies everywhere. It was blood everywhere. They couldn't even cope with the wreckage. It was just too much for them to handle. Pretty dark stuff, right? Pretty dark stuff, pretty rough stuff. But here's the interesting thing, that last verse. We have become a taunt to our neighbors, mocked and derided by those around us. It's, a, it's one thing to be suffering, to get sacked and pillaged and watch all this death, but now they're making fun of you, right? They're making, they're making fun of you. They're saying, that, they're saying that, see, you weren't all that great or you would have been able to resist. So there's humiliation. Remember, all of this is kind of a thing in whenever you look at politics, that often kings and dictators will like to point to a past era of humiliation as the justification for the tyranny that they're doing today, right? Uh, in China, you know, the Communist Party will say, look back on, you know, the 18th or the 19th and 20th centuries and all the colonialism. Remember the hundred years of humiliation. Thank God you have us, the Communist Party, to protect you. Well, are they really protecting or are they tyrants? Uh, but it's an argument that gets used right? Preserve your pride, stick with us, right? And, um, but now 
It's utter humiliation. We're remembering the humiliation. Let's go on to the next one here. So this is going to be verses 5 through 8. We'll read that through again. How long, O Lord, will you be angry forever? Will your jealous wrath burn like fire? Pour out your anger on the nations that do not know you and on the kingdoms that do not call on your name. For they have devoured Jacob and laid waste his habitation. Do not remember against us the iniquities of our ancestors. Let your compassion come speedily to meet us, for we are brought very low. So now we go into the lament. This is lament. There's tons of this in the Old Testament. Tons of it, particularly after 587 when Jerusalem was sacked. How long will you be angry forever? So you kind of get the sense here that this wasn't just a little bit after the temple got sacked. This is a while after the temple got sacked. Long enough that the people are kind of feeling like, okay, we get it. We screwed up. God, are, are you going to hold this against us forever? Right? Am I forever going to be punished for that? Right? That's the old marital argument. Right? Am I, am I forever going to be punished for what I did in Las Vegas? You know, will you hold your anger forever or is there a time when we will move on? Right? Uh, it's the same argument. God, are you going to be mad forever? Is this going to keep this slavery in Babylon thing going to drag on and on and on forever? Is it ever going to stop? Right? Um, and then verse 6. Pour out your anger on the nations that do not know you. This is a little bit kind of a whataboutism, right? Why are you still mad at us? Why are you still punishing us? What about everybody else? You know, why aren't you punishing the Babylonians? What about the Egyptians? They're still down there. They enslaved us for 200 years, for God's sake. What about them? What about the Phoenicians up the coast? What did they? What about those Greeks and all the weird stuff they're doing? You know, come on, God. Why are you continuing to punish us? Don't they do bad things too? I mean, that's a common refrain. Anytime you sort of feel like you're being punished by God is to look around at everybody who doesn't seem to be punished by God or everybody else who seems to be doing worse and not suffering the same thing that you're suffering. And there's a, a good side and a bad side to that. One, I think, is a legitimate question about God's justice. If you're really this just God, why am I suffering and they're not? And that's a legitimate question. Then there's a whataboutism that can be a little bit dodge of accountability, right? Like, uh, you know, God, why are we suffering from this? What about them? Think about them. Look over there, right? Well, they're bad too, so that makes me less bad. It's a way of dodging accountability, right? Instead of saying, yeah, I got what I deserve, it's, well, they did bad things too, right? You hear that one all the time, all the time. So I think there's a, both a legitimate and an illegitimate side to the complaint. Um, but, and then finally in verse 8, it's the request. Don't remember against us the iniquities of our ancestors. So are we generations? Are we a couple generations past the destruction of Jerusalem? Maybe. Or maybe that's just a general phrase referring to way back when. Don't keep punishing us for what they did. Right? Give us a clean slate. 
let your compassion come to meet us for we are brought low. Right? We're all, we're, look on us with compassion. We're not big and haughty anymore. We're not making bold statements. We're not cocky and doing dumb stuff. You know, we're already humiliated. Show some compassion, God. Right? I mean, we, this is a lament that could be done for any sort of things, any sort of struggle. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of laments in the Old Testament that come in the wake of Jerusalem being destroyed. And yes, there's that whole political history there. But the lamenting process, the grief process that the people go through is the normal process we all go through as people of faith. When we feet, we go from being cocky and secure to being humbled uh, and struggling with what that means, right? What does that mean? What's my accountability in it? Where does God stay in this? And will God compassion show compassion on me? Well, yes, God will, but it doesn't always feel like that in the moment. In the moment, it often feels like it's going to go on forever and you're being treated unfairly and everybody else gets away with it. That's a normal thing. Because again, this is the Psalms, right? And the Psalms are dealing with the struggles that we go through in life. Uh, most of us don't go through the sack of cities, although I'm sure there's people in Ukraine right now who can relate to this way too much. But we all go through that grief process and bring our laments to God, which is something that's very biblical. That's what I have for today on that. Uh, hope that's been helpful, and uh, I hope that's built to help you with your spiritual life. If you need as questions or comments, uh, messages, as always, feel free to drop me a note. I'll be glad to help or sit down, get a cup of coffee if you want, uh, and I hope you all have a great week. God bless.